Thanks for being the um, the one person to review the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it was so sad. I was like, there's no reviews. What's well, going on here? It's doing pretty well. It's got, you know, we got that little boing boing push. It got about like 500,000 downloads. Oh, Jesus Christ. And one, one review. <laughs> the guy I know. Uh. So, so last time... Last time I saw you, you were um, you were making me almost late for a for a flight. <laughs> yes, I'm off for airport bars. <laughs> yeah, I've never like I you know I think we were I think we were on our way out of town, and I was like, oh yeah, uh, uh, hey Shannon, I guess we're we're leaving in two hours. I did not expect you to to answer an affirmative, but you were so quick to join us at the airport bar. <laughs> Well, there's a novelty. I got, I'm, I'm up for novelty. Like, it's like, this will make a funny story. Okay, I'm in. You're like, I know this great little place. It's called Tommy Bahamas. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. I mean, like, like yeah. yeah, let's go. I mean, it's like a madman kind of, yeah. like, uh, yeah, airport bar. And I don't know. And it just seems improbable, too. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody actually doing that. So I thought, ah. I'll do it because I'm, you know, it's it's funny. I don't know. It's a weird thing too because it's before security check, which I don't. That might be a Portland thing because I, I don't. I don't know if you go into like LaGuardia or something if there are bars outside of security. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't remember in LaGuardia. If, uh, there's got to be in New York. I mean, there's yeah. got to be like bars before you go in the airport itself or yeah yeah for sure but but you know I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to put it you know because that's the whole thing right you know i get i and and i'm generally super cautious which is why i was nervous that last time but um i <laughs> i you know i like you know if i'm gonna have a drink i'm gonna i'm gonna go through the security thing and then i'm, then mm-hmm. I'm gonna then i'm gonna sit down for a drink um it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense on the other side <laughs> unless I'm missing something, unless there's an important part of the equation that I'm leaving out. In a way, it makes it more relaxed. Like, you have a couple drinks. Yeah. You get felt up by the security, you know. Well, that's, that's my, I mean, ultimately, that's my concern. I mean, what if, what if I, what if I enjoy it too much? Sorry, you can't fly, you're too drunk. You can't sit in this seat for two hours. <laughs> I've recently, and, and this is, this is because I've been, I've been traveling a lot, and I'm, 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 I'm in Los Angeles right now. I just came from Boulder, and we're going to Chicago in two days. And I, I, I recently discovered, and I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a heavy drinker by any stretch of imagination, but I, 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 I recently discovered, like, how much easier a flight is with, you know, a couple of whiskeys. <laughs> No, it, I mean it. You know, it really. It, it's because it, it's a. It's 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 still a. It's a miserable experience, and it, it makes it, it takes the edge off a little bit. Yeah, I, the older I get, the more terrified of flying I become. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. As a kid, I was like, "Oh, this is great. This is a amazing technology. It's fascinating." Yeah, I get older. I'm like, "This should not be happening." Like, there's no way that this, you know, what is it? Like a hundred thousand tons of yeah. metal should be suspended in the air. This is legitimately a thought that 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 I've had, and I want to I want to put this in in other people's mind too. Well, I don't want to put this in too many people's mind because I you know that all the whole thing will unravel. But my my theory is if everybody sitting on the plane at the same time um, thinks about what a ridiculous thing 
that it is that you're flying in the air that the plane will plummet. You know that it yeah. takes that everybody it it takes like everybody believing that a plane can stay in the air for. Yeah, it's like the sneeches, right? Where yeah. they lift each other up, and then you're floating because they're each one is lifting the other one up. But there's a little bit of that to air, airplane flight. Yeah, you know, everybody's believing that they're going to fly, and so they kind of you know. Yeah, there's a logic to it, but how, how, you know, it's explained to me like, oh, this is you know the air passing over the yeah. wing. It, you know, okay, that's one thing I don't understand. If the air passes <laughs> over the wing, and they're saying there's more surface area on the top of the wing than on the bottom of the wing, and so it creates a a, a lift because that's to go further, so it creates a, a yeah. you know greater space or or kind of a vacuum of sorts, and it pulls the plane up in a way, right? But then how can a plane fly upside down? I, you know, the, the way it's been explained to me in, involves blowing on a piece of paper. And if that, <laughs> if that's the same principle that's keeping planes in the air, that's, that's incredibly troubling. Yeah, I, there's something to it where as a kid I was like, uh, yeah, okay, this sounds ridiculous. And they have the little arrows and it's the arrows longer on the top than on the bottom. Yeah. And so, it, you know, that's what makes the airplane go up like and I, i'd believe it but to a kid you could explain like you know why i don't know you know like a kid says why is the sky blue and you say oh it's because the space crystals are blue and they're reflecting the blue you know like so you could you, say you anything said the phrase space crystals yeah and then oh i right, think you're like oh space crystals, of course <laughs> yeah like that's you yeah. could kind of say anything to a kid and if you say it with confidence, you know, oh, why is this sky blue? Oh, because bananas are very important to the ecosystem. Sure. I don't know. Like when I was a kid, they had, um, somebody – they had their windmills down by Silicon Valley, right? You drive past all those oh, windmills. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the, like in the pass over – yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of that. Oh, it's Altamont. Isn't that the Altamont Pass? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it is. Where the Rolling Stones and, killed a dude. That's right. That is where that is. Yeah, Altamont. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't even make those connections. Somebody driving past it. I mean, I was before I could, you know, like first or second grade or something. But somebody said, "Oh, that's where they make wind." (laughs) And I was like, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, there's wind, and this is where they make it. It's got to be made somewhere. (laughs) And there's the windmills that make it." I was like, "That's of course, right?" Yeah, it has the word "mill" in it. Right. (laughs) So I don't know. There's a certain. You know, I, I think a lot of our culture runs on confidence, yeah, self-confidence. Yeah. Well, like, that's that, I mean, that, that's an interesting point actually, because that's you know, certainly that's the main criticism of organized religion, right? That people believe stuff at face value. But if you think about the fact that the vast majority of us are walking around believing in science without the slightest knowledge of what the fuck is going on, is troubling, right? Well, no, I my. I, I, I have a theory that we live in the greatest era of faith ever, mm-hmm. more than times of religion. Because with religion, you're like, oh, there's this guy who in seven days made the earth and sort of decided on your fate and blah, 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 and heaven and hell. And it all kind of makes sense. Or, you know, there's a big mountain and the gods live on it and Zeus and, you know, sure. it turns into a swan. Like, the, there are these sort of anecdotes that are very. Um, anthropomorphic mm-hmm. right and they represent you know anger and love all these things that are within the self those are things that are you know yeah ridiculous and improbable but compare that to we're 
on a tiny ball that's swinging around in space, you know, revolving around a giant ball. And these sizes that are incomprehensible, we can't really see any of it. Yeah. And we're in a void, and there's no God, and it makes no sense, and it's just luck that we all live here. That is so improbable and so crazy. Like that, to me, in terms of rationality, that's less rational than a guy that can walk on water. So, so you're you're um, you're a fan of intelligent design, then? You know, really kind of splitting <laughs> the difference between the two. No, no, no. I'm a complete atheist. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've I've bought in. I mean, I'm yeah. part of the culture of you know, like uh, you know, yeah. I, I think we're on a ball that's in a void that's spinning around a bit of fire. You know. Uh, yeah, that's what I believe in, and I, you know, but it's not a rational conclusion, you know, to believe that we're on this little ball. Like, it's not a, it's not a rational conclusion if you don't have all the pieces to connect. I mean, some somebody somewhere in a laboratory, or, or maybe even like your, you know, seventh grade science teacher has all that information. But you're you're certainly making a leap of faith from from point A to point B. Getting in an elevator for me is a leap of faith. Like I don't understand how an elevator works yeah. or an automobile. Yeah, we've got dinosaurs that died a million years ago, and we're putting their liquefied carcasses into a big piece of metal and moving around because of that. That I mean, that, that brings up you know, and and you know, and certainly I'm I'm in the atheist agnostic boat as well. But is is it as is it as troubling, you know, for people to walk around and 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 have this faith in something like science without knowing the the you know the fundamental in, uh, uh, essentials un- underlying it? Is that is that as troubling as somebody who you know is just kind of a religious fundamentalist? Uh, as troubling. I mean, I, I first you'd have to care. I mean, that's <laughs> okay. So 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 I I I guess then we're all kind of atheists by default right if you don't it, it, i know i mean in a sense right if you don't if yeah, you don't buy into you're religion right. you're 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 an atheist it's kind of atheism is kind of the the or at least agnosticism is, is the kind of the none of the above religion right but i mean but there's faith like you have to have this faith in a red light like that takes more faith than it does to have faith in an omniscient being i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm tracking you to believe in all the science that that sort of moves our culture and our world, I think we have to. I think, yeah, I think it takes an enormous amount of faith. That I think ultimately it takes more faith than just saying like, okay, there's, you know, this being or something. I don't know, we, you know, whatever lattice of coincidence or whatever thing that that would explain to believe that there's no explanation. That takes that takes so much faith, I think, to believe that there's no real explanation to things, yeah. or that it's a scientific explanation. That it, my my thesis is that it takes more faith to to be to have no religion and believe in science than it would be to believe in Hinduism. Sure, or or you know, Christianity is a good one too because Christianity is sort of like um, you know, if you um, if you don't believe this, then 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 you're screwed. So you might I mean you might as well right. buy into it, right? You might as well buy into Christianity for the sake of you know eternal salvation. Yeah, I've heard that argument. There's a philosopher, was it Sartre or somebody who's like with probability. You know, oh he, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's Sartre. Who is that? Is that Kierkegaard? Yeah, I, I've heard that before. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that just seemed like a coward's argument. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, go down that road if you want to be a pussy. Sure. <laughs> but, that, you know, that's that seems really awful to me. Like, you're going to believe in God because he's a bully. Well, and he is, right? I mean, you just you just wrote this or you, you just illustrated this 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 book for Top Shelf. And, you know, he's he's he spends most of the Old Testament kind of pushing people around. I mean, the, the story of yeah. Job, the story of Job is pretty upsetting. <laughs> yeah, Job is about the most messed up. Um, yeah, that's like buy into what I'm selling, or and by buying in, you've got to go whole hog. You got to throw like your family in front of a bus. Yep. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, Job. and Job is not an isolated incident. You know, there's 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 sacrifices happening on the top of mountains. Yeah, the Isaac story is yeah. Abraham and Isaac is is that's one of the more disturbing ones because who's to say the difference between you know insanity and like, what sure. if you think you're getting these messages from God, but really you're just insane? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly something that passes your mind every time you know one of those 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 modern day prophets comes along. Every time a David Caress you know comes along is right. Well, I guess, you know I, I guess he could be. He kind of looks like Jesus. <laughs> well, one of the drawings of I mean, Jesus was most likely a Middle Eastern guy, you know, or a black guy, you know, like I'm saying he's got long hair. He you know he probably wore sandals a lot. Right, right. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I liked a TV version of Dune that I really liked mm. because they had um, the main guy who – and nobody could figure out if he was crazy or if he really was the, yeah. you know, the, the worm messiah guy. And he played it like that too. You know, they kind of tread that line of like – Nobody's really sure, you know, and and he wasn't entirely sure either. I like that because you know, and that's sort of anytime you read these old religious texts, you kind of go into it knowing who the messiahs are going to be. But I, I like the idea of reading religious texts as as a mystery novel, you know, as, as yeah, you don't but... you don't find out until the end if it's the messiah. Right, lay your money down. We're yeah. going to spin the wheel, and yeah, at the time there's hundreds of messiahs, you know, and it's interesting that. You know, they we plugged into the one. So he, I mean, he must have he must have had something going for him, right? If 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 you know if he if he became the one out of everybody and has has kind of stood the test of time. I I suppose. I mean, I I'm so um, suspicious of memory. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like even things that I've lived through, and I'm talking with my friends. It's like, well, you know, this is how I interpreted what happened. You know, what do you think? And they. And this is, you know, like from two weeks ago or something. Yeah. And, and, um, and you're one person, and we're talking about the New Testament, which was, you know, how, how, however many people writing each book, you know, books which do contradict one another. There, there's definitely contradictions, but what I, what I found really shocking about it is that there's um, philosophical contradictions. I mean, more than like nitpicky, like, oh, you know, you're supposed to kill your wife or you're not supposed to kill your wife or whatever. I mean, there's, there's like little rules that sort of run against each other, but, but there's philosophical things where it's just the style of the different books are really, you you read it and you're like, wow, this, these really are written by different people with really different points of view on, on philosophical points of view. It's interesting. And, And some of them are just like little, you know, cute anecdotes and stories. And some of them are really, um, like Ecclesiastes, I really like. It was very existential. Did you go back and and read everything? Did you did you read the Bible for for this project? 
Um, I read as much as I could. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah there's all the there, there's that whole the uh, whole like beget chapter, right? Where it's just it's yeah. generations just spawning one another. Yeah, it, yeah, that was just people wanting their, you know, it's like the we'd like to thank our sponsors, kind of. <laughs> yeah, what what is that? Um, it's like that the Who's Who book, like everybody, you know, put down ten bucks and got their name in the Bible. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, but Mark, you know, Mark, the guy that I, um, he did the the writing, he did the heavy number crunching on yeah. it, and he's studied it his whole life, and what he said was really interesting is that. He thought he knew the Bible when he started this project, and then the more that he went back into it, the more he realized that how much editing had, had like, in his own mind, as well as mm. there's just sort of a natural editing that happens, um, and he really knew it a lot less well than he thought he did. I mean, th- th- this gets back to that, that original point, which is kind of interesting, I think. A- again, like this idea of not knowing about the the science that we all have so much faith in and you know that that <laughs> that you would you would go back and and read the bible and 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 in a sense really you know i i, I guess i guess the question is you know are are you going back and reading high school chemistry books you know to really right. understand you know understand the the fundamentals and underlying the universe i mean is it is it important is it important that we that we know those things and and is it important that just everybody walking around, whether or not they're, you know, they're, they're Christians or Jews go, goes back and, and read the Bible. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody that's going to call themselves religious and they're, if they're putting their ideas onto other people and they're saying, I am living my life based on these ideas, then yeah, it's like being a politician. You should probably read the bill of rights. Yeah. If you're going to be Christian, you should read the new Testament and, that would be good also because then the people that are real judgmental would go, okay, well, I'm I'm super judgmental, but all the rules that are being put forward in the, oh, I don't know, you know, in, in some of the earlier Old Testament books, yeah. like you don't stone your wife for having an affair. Mm-hmm. Like you stone her to death. I mean, not, you know, like that's probably inappropriate. Sure. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and I think one of the, one of the commands was was about not murdering, right? Right, right. Yeah, pretty sure uh, that might have been yeah. the, the top one, actually. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, as far as like, so, so this is an, this is another kind of sticking point for me. And, and again, this is coming from somebody who you know falls into the agnostic slash atheism category. But it, it, we've gotten to this strange point where where being an atheist in a lot of ways is kind of like being a, a libertarian wherein you know it's it's that it's that it's that characteristic that defines you to the point that it's hard to you know people who really said it kind of are, are vocal about it it's hard to have a conversation with them you know about anything else yeah yeah no it's you're right it, it has become kind of libertarian of religions hasn't it yeah yeah the people are total jerks and completely self-righteous and really annoying when people start saying that they're atheists and it's like a chip on their shoulder or something about it, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Is it, is it, I mean, is it, you know, is it like, is it like the black power movement or something? Is it, is it people, (laughs) is it people feeling like they've been oppressed for however many years? And, and that, in that sense, you know, and, and are maybe a, 
I don't know. I don't know if minority is the right word, like underrepresented minority, but you know, or uh, feel that they right. need to be vocal because so much of the public conversation that's being had is amongst religious people. Yeah, maybe it's it's like a youthful part of what's happening in that. Maybe there's a, any movement gets annoying though. I mean, feminism, which I fully believe in, and you know, endorse and all that stuff is. Some you know what are we on the fourth or fifth wave? But I don't know the second. You I know, can't keep wave, track of the ska waves and feminism waves. <laughs> I think we're on the fourth <laughs> wave of ska, wave, and the fifth wave uh, of feminism. I like the punk wave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really annoying. You know, like there's there's definitely a section of that. So you know, I don't know any sort of movement. I was saying today, like the Christian, some of the Christian people I know that are really like I am Christian, and they're always trying to get me to like come to church and all that. Like they're annoying to me, but then yeah. I know some Mormons who are some of my favorite people oh, sure. around, and I just think like Mormonism is to me one of the craziest religions that's based on you know a pamphlet that was put out last week, as opposed to you know I, I don't know why a pamphlet put out two thousand years ago would have more meaning than something put out last week, but anyway, yeah, it's ridiculous, but and a lot of the things that are said in Mormonism philosophically i just think are just crazy but the people i i'm like wow i really i i hang out with them i like them and then the christians i'm like eh, kind of getting on my nerves like i know you used to drink and have sex and now you're you know you're on a high horse about not doing i don't know it's like um yeah i mean maybe you know maybe that's why it's <laughs> I don't know if it's still the world's fastest growing religion, but I'm pretty sure it was at some point. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it has going for it. I mean, honestly, it's like you know, it's. Uh, does anybody want religion shouted at them? Has 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 that really? You know how many how many how many people have work? been converted by you know like crazy people standing on street corners screaming at you. <laughs> I, a few of my friends used to go into the Krishnas and get the free food when they were. Oh dead. yeah, I've been to the. I've actually. Uh, 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 I, I used to when I first moved to New York City. I was um, I was working for you know Zagat, the restaurant people. Oh yeah, they um, they had a, uh, a, 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 a a theater program that they were they were launching. So I spent a lot of time around you know Times Square, essentially waiting for shows to get ha- to, to get out to hand people cards. And and I was so cold at one point that I um I went into the Church of Scientology. Uh huh. Um, Did you do the personality test? No, or? I watched a movie. Watched a movie, <laughs> uh, which which like started off really, and, and 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 you know, and this is like kind of symptomatic of of the state of world religion right now I, you know but I, I looked around and I was like you know it, 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 pretty pretty clear from looking around that the, the demographic of people that they're uh, you know attempting to track and, and this and this this also applied to me at the at the time you know were people below the poverty line right and like that and 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 in a sense it was this you know it's just this warm place to be at you know at two in the afternoon in, in, in New York City on, you know, in, in February. But a lot of times where a lot of our reactions are to the extremes of a bell curve, right? Like hmm. the middle bulk of it are just people that are getting through their daily, sure, you know, to daily life and just waiting to retire or whatever the, you know, 
Um, yeah, but it, but it's there's 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 a large number of religious people who, in a sense, were 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 born into it, and and and, and you know, I, I can I don't know if appreciate it's the right word, but but I can certainly understand that. You know, I can understand coming from a, a household of faith and and you know and, and growing up with that and 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 you know being kind of hard to move away from that but in terms of actually recruiting new grown-ups it, it's right. the, the those seem to be the people that that are targeted you know people who are well, looking for yeah. a better way of life and and this could potentially be an option i mean one one really neat thing about doing the the book is that mark and i are actually plugging in with these kind of newer Christians, and so I'm having to. I don't. I'm not having to, but I am re- revising my ideas about religion because the people that are choosing to embrace it, some of them. I mean, they're, they're pretty decent people, and it's it's really interesting because it's like I don't. I wish I could believe these things because if it makes your life better, then. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I just don't – it doesn't make my life better, so I don't do it. But they're really – I don't know. There's some like hip, weird pe- – you know, maybe it's just like playing video games. It's a way to get together and it could be anything, you know, like yeah. listening to ska music or um, – yeah, I don't know. It's um, But they're, they've got a good sense of humor and a lot of them – I mean these are people that we've kind of niched in with because of the book. And so they're going to be – Kind of an odd group of people, anyways. So, um, so you, so how how are you interacting with these people in in the in working in the book? Well, we're just uh, originally we were selling zines of it, like like little, you know, thirty forty page versions um, that had maybe ten of the. There's sixty six books altogether mm-hmm. in the in the Bible. So we do we had ten and it put it in a little zine, and we had a, a minister come by and he. It was like, oh, you know, blah, 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 and I, I'm a minister and this. Will, will this be offensive to me? And they're like, well, it, it might be, but we're hoping not. You know, that's not our – our goal isn't to offend people. It's actually to educate. And mm-hmm. so he bought it, and he said, you know, we'd, we'd like to hear your thoughts on – after you read it, come back and tell us. He came back the next day and bought 10 of them to give out to his friends. Because he said, he goes, I read it cover to cover. He goes, this is amazing. And I, I just loved it. And da, 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 da. And, and so that kind of gave us this idea of like, instead of working against some of these Christian groups, we could actually work with them. Yeah. We're finding these little groups and soliciting them and as a way to help sell the Bible or our Bible. <laughs> that, 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 that brings up an interesting point. I mean, you know, in, in a sense, um, and tell me if I'm off base on this, but in a sense, you're offering kind of a, a Cliff's Notes version of the Bible, right? I mean, a distillation of this really kind of long, unwieldy text. Yes. And in a way, every version of the Bible is sure. a Cliff Note because it's been translated like the King James. You know, from Aramaic, from, you know, like, it's gone through a lot of different iterations. Um, And so, yeah, but definitely we've reduced it down to each book is, you know, one or two pages long, and then there's a little gag cartoon. So it's very, yeah, it's accessible. And 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 that's kind of the idea, right? The the idea is to kind of help people wrap their their heads around 
Yeah, yeah, very much so. And the, it brings up a question. I mean, you know, it sounds in the ca- like in the case of of this guy who you've dealt with, and some of the other groups that you've dealt with, they they appreciate it from the standpoint of you know it, it helping people better connect with the Bible. But I'm I'm wondering if you know there isn't something to be gained on the part of r- religious figures to. Kind of keep people in the dark, you know, about what, about you know, what the Bible, you know, I mean, I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it serve modern religion better to have these people, you know, kind of give it to you in, in you know, through their own filter? Yeah, if you get people believing that the Bible is, you know, justification for war, the Bible is justification for um, hatred, anti, you know. Going against homosexuality, or I don't know, whatever, whatever belief. Yeah, if you have not much education on the Bible, then then yeah, you can get it to say whatever you want, pretty much. Um, that that's one of the early controversies, like Gutenberg, and when they used to uh, preach in Latin, when they first started translating the Bible, there was a big backlash against it. Yeah. You know, they were saying this is not, we can't give this power to the people. We need to. Yeah, it's, that's that's kind of an age-old conflict. The, the power of being able to read the, this 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 text that we're preaching, right? It, I mean, is that is that how so much of it has become so bastardized over the centuries? Was kind of trusting in people to to deliver it up to you because a you don't you know you're not literate. B again, getting back to Gutenberg, like there's just not enough prints of it or. And then see, like I, I guess a modern equivalent of that is, and, and this is the same thing that we're butting up against in the fact that you know again we're not sitting down and you know reading all these all all of these science books, but just the fact that we're all so damn busy all the time that none of us have any time to sit down and read the Bible, right? <laughs> right. I, yeah. I mean, um, that would make sense. I mean, um, I wish I could. I mean, thankfully, I'm, I'm really ignorant on a lot of these groups and a lot of these people, and so I'm kind of going in with this. Um, I'm, I'm always surprised at, you know, a lot of my interpretations of religions are, are I'm realizing, pop culture-based. Yeah. So it's like something I saw in CSI, like, oh, that's what I think of when I think of this you know, Protestants or something, you know, yeah. like well, the Irish I, Catholics or yeah. something. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not, it's kind of like watching, um, the discovery channel and, and, and basing your science off of that. Right. right. I mean, that's, that's how, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of how we're getting all of our facts at this point is, is through some, some kind of pop culture filter. Well, I, what I like realizing too, is that, um, is just, I, I like looking at my own ignorance. Like I, there's a big part of me that believes still that a heavier object falls faster than a lighter object. Sure. I mean, I just know that intuitively. <laughs> not, not from the standpoint. I mean, obviously you've, you've, you've learned at some point you learn like Newtonian laws, but this is just, right. <laughs> you, 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 you're kind of, over, you, you hit the override switch on that. Well, no, I mean, I look at it. And so intellectually I go, okay, I know these two things fall at the same speed, but Really, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like they shouldn't, because this one is heavier, so it should fall faster. Can you really call that looking at it intellectually, though? If you're ignoring the science. <laughs> well, yeah, because you you look at it, you see it, and you say, yeah. "Okay, now I see it, so I know this is true." And you've got the f equals ma, so you've got like 
you know, you've got some little formulas about velocity and acceleration and stuff. So you, you know, and you can absorb it. But I think on this, we've got some hardwiring in us that's still very intuitive. Yeah. That's wrong. And, and that that again come that's kind of where where faith comes in, right? I mean, you know, you, there there are certain laws of science that you can observe in the real world, just you know, right. in your day to day life. But then, you know, uh, when when people start talking about you know the cosmos or something that happened hundreds of millions of years ago, or quarks moving backwards yeah, in time, yeah, exactly, like that- Thing, things that are really small or really large or that take eons to to occur. You've just got to kind of appreciate that 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 that's the case, knowing full well that laws of science change. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like you know. Okay, you've got Newtonian's physics, and that's true for most of reality. Yeah. But then, as you approach the speed of light, then you've got Einsteinian <laughs> physics, and then that kind of falls apart right at the edge of the universe because you've then got these other things that are. That might, you know, like Schrodinger's cat, where maybe there's something else that's traveling fast. You know, we just yeah. Once you get once you start moving into the realm of quantum mechanics, I mean, you know, and and once you start once you start dealing with relativity and all of these other things, I mean, isn't you know, atheism is it's 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 a troubling way to go. I mean, you know, these are this is why this is why you know people who think too much are are kind of doomed to a, a life of just just perpetual disappointment right <laughs> and, and 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 i think all of them at some point wish that they can uh have faith in 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 something simple and you know in something that that could m- make you happy sure yeah there's somebody out there who has your best interests at heart yeah. i mean you might put you through hell like job or something but at the end you're going to wind up living 300 years and marrying three women so yeah worth uh, boils i mean you know is is it is it worth is it worth a life of misery uh for you know the 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 feeling of superiority that you get when you look at people who (laughs) who believe silly things yeah 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 i would say so i don't don't know i mean that's yeah i wish i had an answer to that um i know i know a book that does have an answer to that shannon The, the book of Jack Daniels. That's the answer. For- <laughs> uh, you could have at least picked a good whiskey, Shannon. Um, I, it was the first one that came to mind. Glenn <laughs> Fittich. Okay, sure. I mean, you're, you're on you're you're on the right track, sir. Moving there, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you're 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 a Berkeley guy by birth, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, are, are you? Were your parents? Were your parents like full on wavy gravy? No, no. We're um, you know they weren't conservative by any stretch but you know i wasn't drinking like the water of life or i didn't have to sleep in the grow room or anything like that i mean they named you shannon i I figured that was kind of a hippie move right yeah yeah and my sister i was born in 66 and then my sister who was 69 um her name is raspberry so there was definitely some is that true yeah raspberry sundown hummingbird wheeler no yeah so and and you're that's that that's the hippiest name ever. I mean, <laughs> does she does she go by that? Uh, Jessica, no, oh. not not very often. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she likes it. She gets a lot of style points from it at parties and stuff. So yeah, I mean, were, were you? You know, is this something that 
I mean, obviously, you've got a you've got an interest in it now, you know, through that book. You also do, you know, also a lot of your um, your New Yorker type comics have have had a a bearded figure on a cloud, right? Um, did it interest you to the point of of you know of of sitting down and reading it? I mean, ahead of actually working on this project. Yeah, and I tried a few times, and I would hit the wall. And I got – oddly enough, I, I did get a lot of Old Testament stuff because um, as a kid, I went to Camp Ketov, which was a Jewish camp. And so, you know, I, reading the Bible, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard half these stories already because they're sure. all – Well, they're just little... – they're kind of in the ether, right? I mean, they're, they're just yeah. around. You, you know, you know – you, you just know them from from being a lot Jonah, now. Samson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that stuff is real pop culture in a way. Um, yeah, so I yeah I was really interested in it, and I tried. Um, you hit the wall in the same way that like you would hit the wall reading Gravity's Rainbow, and that it's just kind of a you know a, a giant dense text, or or just from the perspective yes. of this is craziness. More like this is boring, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner as I'm going through. Yeah, you know, I'm reading about creation, which should be really exciting and interesting. But I'm thinking about like, do I want chicken and a salad, or I'm going to have a pizza? You know, like I'm, you know, I'm one page in and I'm spacing out. So it was, it was tough. But I, I tried. I felt like this is the most significant piece of literature in our culture in a lot of ways, um, or you know, one of the more influential ones. And to not read it is kind of absurd. But you weren't you weren't reading it, trying to find an answer. No, 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 no. It was it was just curiosity. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just, wondering. You know, it, it, do, do, do you think do you think this is something that uh, that people should be reading along you know along along with the the classics? I, you know, I, and this is I heard somebody uh, ha- have a conversation about this recently about whether or not. Um, you know, it's important. It's important in the early 21st century that that everybody read, you know, Shakespeare, for example. I mean, you know, yeah. Is it is that still is that still important? Yes, I do think so. I mean, with Shakespeare, I think that a lot of I think a lot of education is about learning how to solve puzzles. Mm. Um, and in Shakespeare, it's it's about translating. It's like looking at this little stanza and then translating it and you kind of unravel it, you solve it as a puzzle. And if you're good at solving puzzles, then when you go you get home from Ikea and you open up this instruction set, you can find a little, you know, your brain works well enough yeah. to solve the puzzle of Ikea, which is, um, you know, that's our modern. That's our like okay, Gatsby. Like I, yeah. one thing that I really liked about Gatsby um, is that the big push is that he wants Daisy to reject her past, right? Like he didn't see her for a long time. They hook up again, and he's like, "Hey, I still love you, but you got to, you know, you're married now and you have a kid, but none of that's important." And she goes, "No, actually, it is important." I mean, she was a dingbat, but. She's like, you know, the, my past is important, and and so his relationship with her had to do with like, you know, would he, would he be able to get over his jealousy? You know, it was, I think some of that book is about this jealousy, um, and that's such a if you can understand that in a fictional character, you can understand that in yourself, and hopefully, 
deal with it in a little bit more mature of a way when it does come up in your own life. Sure, and and you know, and certainly for all or, or most of these books, there's there's a reason why they're classics and why they've they've stood the, the test of time. But it, it brings up a it brings up an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I've we're working on a, an education episode for for the show right now, which is why I'm traveling around and. Um, you know, I've spoken to several people. Uh, there, there's, you know, there, like there's an organization called Code.org, and um, <laughs> their whole push is, you know, let's get let's get coding into the classroom. Let's make it part of the essential sort of STEM education system. So, you know, as you're learning like science and and you know mathematics, let's also teach these kids how to code. And and yeah. one of the primary arguments there is, um, you know, even if and, and you know certainly there's an argument to be made for um you know there there's going to be this is what the, this is what jobs are going to be you know in in you know however many years and 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 you know and the US is outsourcing to other countries right now not so much for cost purposes but just because there aren't enough computer sciences but then the flip side of the coin is these are if you learn to code you're learning these essential pieces of of logic i mean you know coding is right. basically logic and i'm wondering if you know, if reading The Great Gatsby is the best way to get that logic. And, and you know, this, this, this speaks to the whole argument of, you know, is it really relevant that everybody re- be reading, you know, 200,000-year-old dead right, writings of, you know, 200-year-old <laughs> dead white men, right? Right, right. And I'm wondering... Well, I, one of the books was supposedly written by a woman. I can't remember which one, um, but there's a big argument uh, for... One of the books well, of the Bible? yeah. I, I had an English teacher who used to say that he's not – he's saying that it's most important to learn how to think, and that ultimately is what education is about. It's not about memorizing facts or it's it's about and, – and when people talk about language, um, I listened to that – the, the uh, radio lab about, mm-hmm. about the development of the um, sign language and the evolution of language um, and words being – Thoughts, and I guess that uh, who's the big writer that that loves that that idea? I guess a bunch of them have. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's played with that. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know, and 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 again, this is this is you know fascinating me right now because of this stuff that I'm working on for this upcoming episode. But we, you know, we we went to um, we spoke with some people at OLPC, which is the One Laptop Per Child program. Uh-huh. You, you, are you familiar with them at all? Yeah, yeah. And and they were started by this guy Nicholas Negroponte, who um, is an MIT guy. And and the thing that he's working on right now, you know, as as OLPC has sort of gone off into the world and is you know doing their good, he's gone on to larger, more abstract things. And he's working with the, uh, the X Prize Foundation to figure out essentially what what happened in this space between hieroglyphics, where we're looking at um, written language as being symbols of, you know, uh, there being a direct correlation to to what you're looking at and what the meaning is versus this, this kind of uh, incredibly abstract version of language, and and there's just kind of a gap there. There's a gap there that that over time has broken down, and nobody quite understands how human beings made that leap. And they think, you know, they, like they'll they'll go to. Um, Villages in like Ethiopia, for example, that uh, there's there's no trace of written language there. Like the only uh-huh. the only piece of written language are people wearing these 
you know, pieces of clothing that were donated from the Western world, and and they figure, and they, you know, like the, like a Nike shirt, for example, like that that right, that'll be yeah. all the written language there, and they think that if they can figure out how humanity did that over you know hundreds or thousands of years, then they can figure out how to better teach these people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I like. That. I, no, I I'm a firm believer in thinking. I mean, like that's like let's let's demystify computers and coding and let's create a, you know, let's make people less afraid of getting in and playing with their computers or, or reading Shakespeare or, um, I don't know, Moby Dick. I was like surprised at how, what an easy read that book was. I was thinking it was going to be terrible. And then I was like, Oh, this, there's a sense of humor in it that I thought was, I don't know. I really liked it, but then Dickens, I still have not. But yeah, I mean, Dickens is easy too. It's I mean, that's a really nice feeling. You know, I got that when I I never read uh, I never read uh, Dostoevsky in, in school, and one day I sat down and read Crime and Punishment, and was like, hey, this right. is a really great, fun thing to read. Right, right. And, and maybe uh, that's being free of the burden of of being forced to read it. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I like the book clubs and stuff that that pop up. Um, well, book clubs are great, but book clubs are something that you're 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 buying into. I mean, isn't that ultimately isn't that what makes a lot of people isn't school what makes a lot of people hate learning? Yes, yeah, it does seem to be the case for sure. So maybe I mean you know maybe maybe there's and 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 again I <laughs> like I, this has just been been so much on my on my mind lately because of what I've been doing. But that's you know as as they're as 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 um, devices are, are moving into the classroom a lot of people are talking about this fundamental shift in education from from a teaching model to a learning model right like i you know i went into a class and um they they, they all had these little chromebook laptops and the first thing you notice is how the 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 chairs are set up completely differently right like uh-huh. the traditional classroom model you walk in and there's a teacher at the front of the class and then there's just rows of you know 30 or 40 students in there and these are shifted in such a way i mean the best way i could describe them is they're kind of like you walk into a classroom full of like asterisks or you know like little circles of 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 desks you know where where students are are meant to collaborate with one another oh i love it yeah well it's it's tricky like how do you engage the students how do you get people thinking how do you get kids to go oh yeah this is a fun project and this isn't this is, you know, how do you break down something that is giant and incomprehensible into these smaller pieces that are very digestible and easy and fun and good? And then do you have a ultimately a bigger understanding of the whole piece? So, so in 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 this new book, I mean, what what ultimately is? I mean, and, and again, you you you, uh, you you did the illustration, so. Um, I guess it was more more of, in a sense, you know, his his baby but what what ultimately is is the goal there is it just is it to give people an entertaining thing to read and look at or is it to help people understand it's it's definitely to understand i mean it's a, in a way to if you can think about okay like i used to just think of the bible as being a big book with different chapters in it and like okay here's the story of job and then maybe there's leviticus i don't know and i vaguely knew this or that thing but now it, it and it all kind of mushed together in in my head and 
now I have a real clear understanding of like, wow, Leviticus is this crazy book at the beginning that that's what a lot of people start quoting as um, it just has a lot of anger in it. But then you get to Ecclesiastes and it's this very poetic Psalms. That's, I think women are, I don't know, but yeah, the Psalms, which is, I was like, wow, I really like the Psalms Um, or um, Revelations, which again is super crazy and weird and people quote it, but it's just nice to, like when you see in movies, you know, you watch Seven or something like that, and you're like, oh, you know, here's a quote from Leviticus. Now I know, like, oh, this falls into this chapter or this book, and it, it gave me a context. Um, and so by no means is it comprehensive, yeah. but it's it then gives me kind of like a, a framework to understand so that as I get more information about the Bible – I have a place to put it. And because it's funny, it's it's a real easy way to hook onto it. Like the Hosea story is like a funny little, just a little anecdote about a guy who's married to a prostitute. I, I think it's fascinating that, that through this project, you've, you've, you've met, you know, you've met believers. And, and I'm wondering if yeah. you, you feel like knowing this, that you understand more, about them, not not just from the standpoint of you know having met them and interacted them, but you know knowing this thing that people have invested so much in and have so much faith in that you, um, you know they, that 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 you can, I don't know if I don't know if empathize is the right word, but but better at least appreciate where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. Yeah, I I definitely have more of an open mind to seeing why people like it and why they invest a good bit of their lives into learning about it. I mean, and I definitely don't have high ground because I know a lot about 1970s and 1980s Marvel comics. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I know the yeah. issues where they didn't put the uh, comics, uh, you know, the, the, the comics warning on the, the Spider-Man issues. Or, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, like, why that happened and and i know like different stan lee characters that are yeah like i know a lot about the marvel universe and that's ridiculous i mean you know i could go through and tell marvel stories left and right you know the inhumans and different characters like it's absurd how much trivia i know sure. about this stupid stupid thing yeah i mean there, there's there's a difference between between knowing about it and you know preaching the word of the watcher on the corner <laughs> I would totally be in for that though. I would, I would go yeah. if there was a guy on the corner, you know, speaking the word of Galactus. I would, yeah, I'm in for a half hour for yeah. that at least. Yeah. You know, That's... yeah, but yeah, uh, but no, but it, I mean, again, it, it brings up a really good point, which is, isn't there much better stuff that we can be putting in our brains at all times? I don't know. I mean, you know, as long as people aren't killing each other, I'm pretty happy. You know. Um, so yeah, if they're spinning their wheels on religion, I'm I'm fine with that. It's like you know, listening to some stupid you know, ambient music. Like, you know, that's fine. Like don't you're not hurting each other. Good. Do what you want. Like that's um Actually, I want to I want to ask you about I want to ask you about this Marvel comic scene because you you uh you've been uh you you've been hawking some of them. <laughs> like you've been you've been taking eBay, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Are you selling off? Are you selling off your collection? What I did is I, you know, I started going through the collection and going, do I want this one? Do I not want this one? And for every comic, and for everyone, I'd be like, I kind of like this one because it was the first appearance of the kangaroo, and that's pretty much the dumbest. Like this Australian super villain, you know. I think it was like Peter Parker fights him, or you know, the and and then, but you know, I've got like I don't know ten long boxes of comics, and I thought this is not going anywhere. So then I went through and I thought, okay, I'm going to pull out the ones that I want to keep that actually do have some kind of real emotional resonance, like first appearance of Silver Surfer. Like that's I'm going to keep that one because I like it and. Um, and then I just thought everything that I don't really want to keep, I'm going to get rid of. Um, do, do you do, do you do you read them still? Because I, you know, I was I was thinking about this recently. Um, you know, I, I, I've I, I think I probably have boxes and boxes of, of, of comics at, at you know my parents' house in California, but nothing with me in, in New York. And you know, in terms of like superhero comics. You know, even like classic comics, I think I've got like one or two of those uh, those essential anthologies they put out that right. are kind of black and whites. Um, but I never, you know, I never, I never find myself going back and, and reading them. And I and I can appreciate as much as anybody like, you know, people talking about Steve Ditko and 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 Jack Kirby. But I don't find myself sitting down and spending a lot of time reading them. Yeah, I think the memory of having read them sometimes is better than actually re it might be like Heinlein. Yeah. You know, like I tried to reread stranger in a strange land, which was to me, this like mind blowing book. And I reread it and I was like, wow, this is just terrible. It's, it's sexist. It's badly written. Yeah. But the memory of it is just so, yeah, it was just really, it's really good. And yeah, some of the comics, I think it, there's a nostalgia that's better than the reality. Um, but I don't know. Um, do I reread them? Eh, a little bit. I, I'm trying, I'm doing these stories called um, Villain House. And so one thing that I like about the older comics is they, Stanley really moved the story. So in 20 pages, he got you know, the Fantastic Four to outer space, they get hit with the the cosmic rays, they come back, they turn into the, you know, superheroes, they fight the Mole Man, and they establish their base in the Baxter building. In right, the like 20 pages. Issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of storytelling, and I, and every panel is, it is a different angle, and something happening, and yeah. it's just, it's, it, it was a really seamless, um, the way that they they worked together um, made for I think just a great storytelling. So I'm I'm trying to re-educate myself on how how to tell stories that way. That, and a lot of the newer comics, I read it and I'm just like, wow, that was a lot of dialogue that yeah. went nowhere. That's really that's really interesting though because I don't know if you've made this connection, but you just described your appreciation or you know at least your your appreciation now of these comics the same way you were kind of justifying the using Shakespeare to educate students in the sense that like there's value there in in kind of an abstract sense right there there's value yes. in learning 
how to tell a good story or learning how to, to, to solve the puzzle of being able to tell an entire origin story, you know, in a space of a single comic and still have X-ray specs ads in the back. Right. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's a terrible story, but at least it moves quick. You know, he, he, he moves the plot. So you get yeah. through it, you know, like it's, I don't know, these new comics. I mean, I, I don't want to be the old man, but yeah, then, you know, we're, it's like, God, they just barely got out of the building, you know? Like, that's... If they're doing Fantastic Four number one now, it would just be... Ah, they would be still talking about whether or not to get in the spaceship to go, you know, like... Well, that's so the whole thing, should, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, Stan Lee and, and, and Jack Kirby and to, to a slightly lesser extent, Steve Ditko, you know, within the space of, like... I don't know, maybe 10 years or so, created this entire universe of characters that were so good that all of the other artists are kind of spending their time filling in those gaps, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. what the basis of so many of these stories are now, is like, what can we possibly do that's slightly original using these, you know, fairly trod-on characters? Well, the, a language was really brought up to a very functional level like i think it was there when you go back to some of the superman stuff in the 30s and 40s um but then i i feel like in the 60s they honed they honed the language it's a little bit like automobiles you know and and the the assembly lines and stuff like they there's something very crass and disgusting about it but also by the mechanism of the machinery like they also um made it very efficient and 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 worked the language into this really nice i i to me it's like i really that's what i'm really trying to figure out is comics as a language and what they did at that time that i think worked really well well i mean you know by all counts stanley was basically working at a sweatshop right i mean yes you know he was and then that that was you know that that uh, that 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 kind of um uh you know that that minimalist language is and it kind of comes out of having to you know being jack kirby and having to work on like or at least you know from from an from an art standpoint you know having to work on 10 comics you know 10 titles a month yeah, he was a he was a mule. I mean, that guy sat down and just banged through. And I liked what he said about drawing that he just he knew what he could work quickly because he knew what not to draw. So he would put in just enough details to make it dynamic. But he, I mean, he he was in his forties yeah. when he really started peaking, and he uh, under his belt he just had years and years of experience. So it wasn't like he was a naive kid coming into this. Yeah, he was really he was bright and really knew what he was doing. Is that um, is that minimalist line work? I mean, is that something that you you yourself have have had to work towards? I mean, you know, the same. You know, I, it's, Schultz gets the same treatment, right? I mean, that that's the the genius of Charles Schultz as an artist was you know how how much he can convey with a few lines, and is that and and you know, and you're you're working now a lot within that New Yorker template, right? Of trying yes. to tell a story with a single panel and with, with as few lines as possible. You know, is that, is that something that you've been trying to, to move towards for, for most of your career? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, early on I was doing a lot of cross hatching um, in part because 
I liked the cross hatching that Crumb did and Gilbert Shelton did. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, was imitating that. And then also I just had a, a insecurity about my drawing. And so it's a way to do, you do a drawing and then you cross hatch the hell out of it. And so people look at it and they see all these lines and they're like, oh, wow, that's really good because there's all these lines on it. <laughs> it's like, oh, you put a lot of work into it. Yeah. It must be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the whole, like, that's the whole thing, right? Like that, that's the whole like modern art thing. Like, like, you know, the, 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 the people walk in from outside and are like, oh, well, yeah, the artist clearly didn't spend a lot of time making this. Why is this, why does this cost so much money? Right. Somebody said, uh, what was it? My, my, what are the, they were asking, they were soliciting responses of, um, my kid could do this. Yeah. When they walk into a gallery and there's abstract art and, and then, so they, they said, yeah, what's the comeback line to that? And I, I think I said, um, your kid could sleep with a gallery owner in order to get a show <laughs> like that. <laughs> but that was pretty cynical. Good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I think reductionism is, is really important and keeping it dynamic and, um, yeah, giving myself the self confidence to not over cross hatch is a constant battle. The the New Yorker stuff is interesting because yeah, I definitely the reduction in the language more so than as much as the reduction in the art. So it's taking out all of the modifiers in the in the sentence. The the yeah, the New Yorker thing is is interesting too because you 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 have to work in their language, right? I mean, you have to like yes. they have such a clear template that you can't stray to. I mean, it seems like it seems like it, 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 they've maybe loosened that up, and I don't know how much uh, like Francoise has to do with that, but you know, it, they've they've probably broadened it a little bit over the past you know ten ten or fifteen years. She does um, she does all the illustrations, or she does the the covers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mankoff is the oh, okay. cartoon editor, so yeah, he's yeah. the one that I go Bob, in. Bob and, Mankoff. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you can bring your your comics in, and you bring them, you know, and you put them in front of him, and he'll go through them, and he'll tell you why you're not drawing well enough. Or yeah. it's it's harsh. It's a harsh. I mean, he seems, um, he seems yeah. like a very nice guy, but he <laughs> he is. <laughs> but he's really good at what he does. He is very. I, I, what shocks me is that I'll try to get away with something, you know, like I'll I'll cheat some little perspective, or I'll I'll be a little bit lazy about a joke where I think, yeah, you know, I I like I like the cat that's standing on the other cat, and and then it's just sort of this, I don't know, it's not that funny of a gag, even though I thought it could have been. Or the drawing, I sort of didn't really emphasize the thing that needed to be emphasized, and I think, well. I, I'll just kind of bang it out anyway, and and he always catches that stuff. He's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, this you you know." And <laughs> he just sort of points at this thing that I knew I was cheating on. He has a good eye. It's very yeah. He's very sharp. The, the yeah. crazy the craziest thing to me about that is the fact that like, and and you know not to undermine the amount of time that that goes into creating one of those panels, but again, the the, the just the fact that you're working on a single panel, but yet. Are cheating on things, you know, that you even have the opportunity <laughs> to cheat on something when it's when it's a when it's a single gag panel. Well, you know, the perspective, right? Like, yeah. are you really going to work out a nice three point perspective on the staircase, or you know, the third step up? You kind of you, you eyeballed it, and you're just going to sort of like hope nobody notices that yeah. little 
that cheat there, the back leg on the cat. That's you know, that's eh, not quite right, but yeah, no, it's and well, also you're cranking out ten a week, and so to maintain, you know, doing ten gags and banging them out, yeah, some of them are going to be good, and some of them are not going to be good for sure. I like that it's gotten to the point now where there's uh, there's kind of an entire industry based on rejected New Yorker cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Well, Diffie put out a few of those books, which mm-hmm. has really been pretty great. Yeah. I don't know. I've always been into recycling, and it was uh, uh, Gilbert Shelton who said you you publish something three or four times before you know you get it paid for a piece as many times as you can. Yeah. Because um, he said that he was the one who would publish Freak Brothers in um, these little hippie zines Mm -hmm. and then collect the one-page comics into a comic book and then collect the comic books into one of the old Freak Brother books. And so he's like, yeah, I get paid three times for one piece of art. (laughs) That's like, and yeah, I was like, wow, that's brilliant. I mean, (laughs) he was a guy who seemed to spend a tremendous amount of time, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, he was kind of from that crumb school of, like, just incredibly detailed stuff, but it it worked. Yeah, super tight. And that guy, oh, man, you look at those backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, he drew San Francisco like nobody. He, yeah, I just have a lot of respect for him. I think he's really underrated, too. Oh, yeah. Um, you read the Freak Brothers stuff and his storytelling, um, his sense of timing, and is yeah. really really tight. Yeah, they put out that uh, they put out those collections of the Freak Brothers and the 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 Freddy's Cat, and and that's that's one of those the one of the few comics that I can really just I can read over and over again and, and yeah yeah and, and and appreciate every time. Um, on the note of the New Yorker, I'm, I'm sort of wondering if when you go back and and look at all of these, uh, all, all of the rejected cartoons, you know, how much of it is clear why why they were rejected? Because certainly, you know, I, I certainly I, I look at a lot of them, and and to me, you know, but a lot of the stuff you do and a lot of the other rejected car, car, uh, New Yorker stuff I've seen, and and they seem as funny as you know any gag that I've read in the New Yorker. Yeah, it's it's none of us know. Like usually after you go in on on Tuesday and you you submit and you talk to him and all that, then the cartoonists get together and everybody goes to lunch, and then a few of us go from lunch and we start drinking beer and and but we're always talking about what gets bought and what doesn't get bought and and why, and it's just it is a mystery. Um, you know, sometimes there are things like there's kind of a zeitgeist, um, like a buzzword that they want to. You know, there's a lot of current situations. So the first gag that I sold was about, um, you know, it had a Roomba reference, mm-hmm. and that's that little vacuum cleaner sure. that cleans your room. And, and there's the cat, um, yeah, that that video of the cat writing a Roomba yep. had just come out. And so I had the two cats talking, and one of them saying, "Didn't I see you? Um, didn't I see you on YouTube writing a Roomba?" And <laughs> that one sold. And I know it's because it had a, a pop culture, you know, yeah. like it was current. Um, but it's also like it's it it's it's funny, but it's not 
you know, it's not one of your best jokes, right? No, no, it's, no, yeah. I don't think it's my best joke. There, there's, but, uh, there's probably, I mean, there's probably something in something in keeping that mystery, right? I mean, if you know, if you, you know, if you're the editor of the New Yorker cartoons, you don't want to, you don't want that formula to, 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 you don't want people to see the formula, right? You, you know, you need right. like, you don't want everybody to know how Coke is made. Right, right. <laughs> but he's very analytical. I mean, like, he will talk about a joke and why it works or why it doesn't work, how to improve it. Um, it's not – he's not throwing darts as much as you would think. It, it, yeah. There's analysis. I mean, it's, it's like um, – yeah, he, he's a firm believer. I mean, it's like um, Steve Martin and the way that Steve Martin breaks down humor and jokes. Um, it's that same kind of idea of like, let's, let's, even though it does kill a joke, you know, ultimately, but it is really important to understand what works and what doesn't and why. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's, what's the best, uh, what's the best criticism you've gotten from, uh, from, from Bob Mankoff on one of your cartoons? <laughs> Um, uh, the best criticism shoot. I don't, I'm always, you know, it's, it's, I go in there and I just have so much adrenaline, um, <laughs> that I walk out just going, what happened? What is going on? So it's like, I mean, it's like, it's like trying out for a play almost. It's like a job. And it's, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. It is absolutely terrifying. And, and if you start to think that, you know, Thurber, um, yeah. I don't know, like Sam Gross is there, yeah. you know, like he's in another room and he's talking about how he hates the caption contest or something. And, um, <laughs> oh, you know, again, Wilson is, is yeah. in there and, oh, there's, you know, Booth walks in and it's like, wow, these are people that are just, I don't know. I just, I have, I have a lot of respect for and, I'm trying to kind of work in the same room. I mean, they, yeah. there they are standing there. There's like six guys who, you know, I've bought the $40 version of their book or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like this is, it's weird. And if I think, you know, like Charles Adams was, you know, I'm, I'm kind of following Charles Adams. Yeah. I mean, that's it's hard. That's a, that's a question, right? I mean, it's, is when 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 do you when do you get to the point where <laughs> where you like or do you ever get to the point where where you're like oh yeah if, I mean I you know you 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 had you had success with with too much coffee man and you go to a you know you 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 go to a, a show and and people you know sign up to to get your autograph and tell you that they're big fans of yours and uh, you know but do but do you ever get to that point do you ever get to that point where you're you 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 think that you you can be peers with with you know gain wilson i was driving jello biafra around in my car <laughs> and i kept wondering like when when am i gonna stop panicking like when is this when am, like when will this become normal like yeah. that i am you know it's like two in the morning and you know, he invited me to go get a bite to eat or something. So we're going to, you know, looking for a place to eat at two in the morning after a show and we're driving around and, and it was just weird. So I don't know. I mean, that's, it always feels like that. It always feels like I'm driving Jello Biafra. Yeah. But that's, um, but that's, I mean, you know, like, uh, every time, every time I've hung out with you and I've, 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 you know, had a, f- a few too many makers marks, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> 
which is pretty much every time I hang out with you. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll there's, probably there's no too many. There's, a, there's never, <laughs> well enough there's enough too many to, makers marks. Well, uh, enough to get to the point where you know I I, I will start talking about like a, a Jesse Michaels or an Aaron Comet bus, and right, maybe right. it's all about context, right? You know, maybe it's all about like you know every, you know it's like all these people who are somebody's hero or you know a, a a guy who was a year below them at Berkeley High School right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um will you, will you uh will, will will you die a happy man if too much coffee man is the thing that you're known for <laughs> you know it could be worse um <laughs> it's definitely like when i was doing comics and i was trying to like it was a very deliberate thing which you're not ever supposed to admit or talk about but I was sitting down to do comics I'm like I want to invent something I want to do a character that will resonate that will get me laid basically or you know it's even if it's you know even if it's like an emotional thing like I wanted something that would that would resonate and have some lasting power and I thought what can I do that's that is an icon and I just started thinking, like, well, is it, you know, like Clyben doing his cats or something, or is it, like, what is something that will that is universal? And that's, you know, I thought, well, something with coffee, and then, but it was, yeah, it was a very intellectual process in a way. I mean, for you know, a twenty-something-year-old kid, that's intellectual as that gets. But yeah, it's a little bit of it's a pain in the ass, like. People are, you know, it's like that is the thing that I'm known for. It's hard because it's like being Kiss, where that's all they've got or something. You know, like in a way, <laughs> I've got too much coffee. Yeah, it's like that is the thing. And but you know, I can't complain. Like if that's you know, it's one more than most people get. So one reason I did push so hard with the New Yorker is because I really did want something that was very different. And to say, yeah, this is here's another thing that I do, and. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, I I could have kept doing kind of like things that are like too much coffee, man, you know, like let's have the team of vices or I don't know, you know, I stayed in that like humor vein of, you know, try to get a book going at Marvel that's like ambush bug or something. I don't know, you know, Um, (laughs) but I don't know. I yeah, I can't complain. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to make something lasting, write your own version of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. All right, that was uh, Shannon Wheeler, of course, best known as the creator of Too Much Coffee Man. He's also a New Yorker cartoonist, uh, and it is my understanding that since we actually talk, he's, he's, he's sold even more cartoons to the New Yorker, so congratulations on that front. Uh, Shannon, his, his most recent book is called God is Disappointed in You, that was a collaboration with Mark Russell, and that uh, that was the reason why we spent the vast majority of that interview talking about the Bible. Uh, if you like what you heard, send us an email. Uh, it's riylcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's also riylcast.tumblr.com. And uh, go in and, and write us on iTunes. We will, uh, we'll be back very shortly with another episode of R.I.Y.L.C.A.S.T.